Hello, and welcome to Champion Casters, a podcast about heroes and craft where we analyze the motifs and themes behind your favorite film and television heroes and everything we say is in Comic Sans. I am your host, Joe Tomlin. And I'm Michael Ruiz, your co-host this episode. We like to switch the co-host seat back and forth, <laughs> you know, every single week. We play um, we play fast and loose with who's the host and who's the co-host, you know? Mm-hmm. Do, I mean, technically, are we both co-hosts? That's I not the question so. of the week, by the way. I think so. <laughs> what is the question this episode, Joe? All right, so I got, I got <clears throat> a very serious question for you, Michael. Yes. Dead serious. Of course. Like... Like 90s grunge, dead serious. Oh, Dad I, rock, dead mm-hmm. serious. De- mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Is there something in your way? <laughs> oh, something in the way. <laughs> you know, so many things. Lack of, you know, lack of entry level jobs. Lack Shit. of, uh, you know, accessible, you know, lack of accessible health care. Lack of uh, most things. But, you know, honestly, I would say at this point, the, the thing that's the most in my way uh, as it pertains to where we're currently at in this moment is just uh, you. It's you. It's, the answer it's, is you. If it's a Batman thing, it's you. It's it's me. Fair enough. You know, it's just what's in, what's you know, I might be in my own way, you know. It's that type of thing. It's kind of a rhetorical question in that way. You know, the the Mm -hmm. reality is just by singing about it at all, I've realized that I personally am in my own way. Mm -hmm. I am in your way. Nice. (laughs) You can be my way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Wait, what? Huh? Anyway, we're talking about (laughs) the Batman this episode. Um, if you could not tell by Michael saying a Batman thing or me referencing Nirvana's something in the way, which has only come into the pop cultural zeitgeist through the Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very excited to talk about this movie because Michael and I both like the Batman universe for a while. Um, I would say we had a hard time grappling with Bruce Wayne as a character. This yeah. movie may change us, but yeah uh michael do you want to give us a rundown of the batman yeah the the batman was directed by matt reeves obviously it's starring uh twilight star <laughs> robert pattinson uh starring zoe kravitz starring paul dano jeffrey wright colin farrell uh it's written by matt reeves and peter craig and the general gist of this movie is you know about two years into bruce wayne's uh gotham project as as batman uh, Bruce is kind of like starting to lose both his sense of self to uh, what he will call uh, vengeance to the point where characters in the film even refer to him as Mr. Vengeance. Uh, meanwhile, a new serial killer named the Riddler murders his way through Gotham's elite, exposing how deep the layers of corruption of Gotham's uh, political sphere go. Uh, it, you know, we're going to go our spoiler cast. So we're going to do a full spoiler of this movie. We're both relatively hot on this. I'm going to give this like a, a pretty, a pretty solid two thumbs up on my end. So if you like, if you know, if you like Batman stuff, go see it. If you're just interested in seeing it, I would definitely recommend that. Would you agree, with Joe? Yeah, I'm gonna give it two thumb drives up. <laughs> now, <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Joe, I think I think in that we're really getting at something that I think the movie is intentionally in conversation with. It is like the most. I mean, it's the thing that was in all the trailers. Hell, it's part of some of Batman's most famous lines in general. What are we to make of this story that is in conversation with vengeance, right? Like it is, it is pitched as a story about vengeance. What do you mm-hmm. wait? What What are your first like go to takes on that? So first, like we need to be clear about this type of Batman. We've mm-hmm. seen we've seen War on Terror Batman before, <laughs> yep. um, with the Christopher Nolan series. We've seen uh, Gay Can't Be Batman with Joel Schumacher, mm-hmm. and we've we've seen like. What's become like the prototypical classical Batman mm-hmm. with um with Michael Keaton and Tim Burton, but now yeah. with vengeance here, uh, Batman's a little emo, yeah. and the, <laughs> the the whole point of vengeance is about Bruce Wayne trying to figure out who he is, what does he stand yeah. for, and what yeah. does he want to make Gotham into? Yes. Um, because like that's what that's what like Batman is constantly trying to do is trying to fight crime within Gotham. He's yes. trying to avenge his parents' death. 
Yes. But this film, in the way in which it's all aesthetically played out, it's meant mm-hmm. to be a film noir. Batman is is a flawed, rugged piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the movie knows that. So when he's constantly trying to invoke fear and fight for the people who have been hurt in Gotham. Yeah. Um, there are some unintended consequences of that, which yeah. is great to see because the big crux of the Dark Knight is, you know, is Batman to blame for the Joker or is the Joker his own thing? Like, you know, mm-hmm. who created who here? And like this film is like, yeah, we get that. And how what are we going to do about that? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're really touching on the main thing, which is this movie understands that it, it is a piece of Batman like media created long after like a lot of history and decides to like be kind of in conversation with those themes, themes about, you know, the Bruce Wayne versus Batman mask kind of dilemma, things about like hey, how good were, you know, how how is it that we've kind of romanticized Thomas and Martha Wayne as something that they weren't? How is it mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, how helpful to Gotham City is Batman actually, right? Mm-hmm. This movie seems to be intentionally taking those ideas and kind of answering them in some ways that I think are really interesting. It reminds me a little bit, and maybe this is why people don't like it, in some capacities, of The Last Jedi, where basically that movie is also in conversation with critiques and criticisms of star wars that came before it and by kind of addressing that from the get-go or at least by the point of this middle movie this movie i would say it still does spin its wheels a little bit too much but by addressing these points by at least the halfway mark you are able to kind of create a bolster of those ideas or very least create some type of like conversation with them and i think that's really what makes this kind of movie even if it does kind of spin its wheels a little bit at times really interesting and honestly like worth kind of talking about because I think having that, like, Batman storied history makes it feel like... Makes it feel like it's sincere even when this movie is being extremely goofy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is an extremely goofy movie. Uh, Extre- trademark yeah. patent pending right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, every character has a super put-on New York accent. With the exception yeah. of Batman, of course. Yes. Um, yes, the You know, the Penguin, played by Colin Farrell sounds like a moth like an italian mafioso even though his name is oswald cobblepot yeah it's <laughs> not an italian last name like falcone or falcone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but the penguin here is he, he's very hammy D- yeah. like, does he call batman toots at one point yeah 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 he calls batman toots yeah. Uh- <laughs> yeah it's it's one of those things where i think it helps because it helps because I think the aesthetic of this movie is intentionally realistic from his suit to the car to yeah, even how like Catwoman's uh, mask looks. And I think that's not done. Like, I feel like more often than not, when stories are going for realism, they're trying to do that with the hopes of being like morally ambiguous and giving things like shades of gray. And I think more often than that, it doesn't work. Like you said, that's kind of how we got the War on Terror Batman uh, of the Nolan trilogy. And instead, mm-hmm. I think really this movie uses the realistic, the realistic uh, kind of tone, not tone, uh, I'll say aesthetic to make it really seem like this is Batman so early into his career. This is before he's gotten all of the, it's before he's become the Batman. It's before he's become the like criminal, like, I'm sorry, the, the computer genius that has like a super bat computer that can do anything and everything, right? There's so much in this movie where the tech is like, kind of like falling apart it doesn't look perfectly made and so i think it gives it a sense of something at like the shambles something that's kind of falling apart and really failing which helps that tone of they're kind of going for is that gotham feels like it's just about to break right they talk numerous times about how this puts gotham in a power vacuum how they're you know everyone's you know trying to get at their uh their little piece of it and i think that kind of helps it it kind of makes everything feel a little bit uh shoddy it's kind of like um it's got, you know, it's like good dirty sci-fi, you know, where where uh, things feel like they're barely put together because we're trying to show uh, not a dystopic future, but a, a failing one or a, a struggling one. You know what I mean? Right. The aesthetics of the film portray realism. I think the realism comes from where the consequences lie. The idea of Bat, like when Batman punches a cop, he has to fucking run. Right. Yeah. He can't yeah, just yeah. like talk his way out of that. Yeah. Um, 
when when um when the Riddler murders someone, everybody else freaks the fuck out about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is that the consequences um and the story in that sense and the narrative takes itself um takes itself seriously and that's where the realism comes in. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. The, the film also realizes we are playing with Batman. We are exactly. playing with a fictionalized world so we can play goofy with it. Like with our, you know, like with the penguin, mm-hmm. like with some of the so honestly, some of the dialogue. This has some funny moments similarly to the Nolan trilogy where the the humor is kind of glib. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tongue in cheek. It's not as um, quippy as, say, the MCU would be, but yeah. I think the the quote unquote realism of this film is through the acknowledgement that there we're talking about a fantasy. So it, it's a it's a weird juxtaposition, right? Because I think you're absolutely right from the way they all speak to each other to just the nature of the fact that, you know, he walks around in the bat suit, but also no one's, you know, no one's so tongue in cheek about it. They're kind of like they they think he's weird, obviously, because Batman as a concept is still like there is that like intentional distance between him and all like the police officers he interacts with. But, you know, it's not like, hey, this guy's walking around in you know, his underwear, right? You know, or, in, you know, in mm-hmm. skin tight outfit, right? And so it it it, it kind of does it like this weird balancing act that I actually think it kind of lands a little bit. And that's why I was so right. surprised that I was endeared to it. Because normally I really can't stand this type of uh, kind of like hyper real aesthetic. But I think it does so in such a way to also allow... The kind of like you said, the can't be <laughs> can't be kind of goofy accent work kind of going on here to to be sold. They kind of make it seem uh, like, to intentionally juxtapose it in such a way so that also when people are speaking, you also know who's talking, right? When Falcone walks in, you kind of has a presence with him, and he he's soft spoken. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, John Turturro does a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, when he's just like, hey. You're Bruce Wayne. Do you remember when your daddy helped me out? Mm-hmm. He was a good guy. Yeah. And Bruce is just sitting there seething. We cut yeah. back to to Robert Pattinson's face, just trying his best not to expose, you know, who he really is as the Batman. Yeah. Um, and not murder him right in front of him. Yeah. Right in front of everybody at the funeral. Um yeah. but to your point about um the juxtaposition between realism and fantasy within this film it's really highlighted in the first uh, at the first crime scene when batman walks in through the line of cops and yeah. it's the presence of like why like everyone every cop looks uncomfortable that they are stepping apart to the side mm-hmm. and we can clearly see that visually we still get look at batman as he's walking towards the camera with weight and gravitas so we know we're supposed to care about this character Mm-hmm. And then when Batman gets to the front of the line, one with the most New York of New York accents. Hey, what the fuck is this freak doing here? Hey, what's this? <laughs> hey, what's this? What's this freak doing, here? doing here? What's he doing here? He's a vigilante. We kill him in. Like <laughs> it's the bat. It's the bat. Like the, <laughs> you hear that? You actually hear it's mm-hmm. the bat in this movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it works. It fucking yeah. works. Yeah. This is why I tweeted out like. This is the best version we're going to get of Batman the Animated Series in live action. We yes. have the distinct color palette. We have the gritty kind of gothic. Uh, I mean, they, they're inspired by Art Deco in that in that show, but it's yeah. also gothic here. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the heavy usage of red and the fact that we like to focus on Bruce Wayne's eyes. Yeah, big time. Yeah, like there's a there's so much work with eyes in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. We can we can kind of get that a little bit more when we talk about we could talk about uh Bruce Wayne as a whole a little bit later, but it's interesting how they kind of juxtapose the whole nature of like what is seen, uh, especially when like so many of the plot beats in this story happen through phones. Like, did you notice that like three plot points in this movie happen through phones, through like phone recordings, phone calls? Uh, and Mm -hmm. just I was like, whoa, (laughs) just like so much of this kind of emphasis on this kind of like newer technology in, in, in a way that I think is, is interesting while also maintaining uh, like Batman's uh, like self underneath the, the, the bat cowl mm-hmm. and like what it means when he kind of takes the contacts out both as like a level of intimacy with him and Catwoman, right? Cause it's like, he's finally seeing through her eyes versus, you know, trying to experience his own thing. It's interesting, mm-hmm. right? I don't quite have the words for it to be totally transparent. I did see this the day of the recording, we're recording right now. So I'm still kind of formulating my thoughts on it, but I can't help but notice that as like a motif, right? 
I think we could get into that later when we talk about Bruce's identity and sense of self. Mm-hmm. Um, but to to keep on the point of Catwoman, let's talk about other characters. Catwoman yeah. in this movie, Zoe Kravitz is fucking great. Oh, great! Like, yeah, honestly, like I I re I really enjoyed this characterization of Catwoman. Although I mentioned that th- that this this film visually recalls and to some extent tonally recalls a lot of Batman the Animated Series. This version of Catwoman is, in my opinion, straight from the comic books. Yes. Yes. You know, um, she she is a queer sex worker uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> who yeah. is just trying her best to break out of this system. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's 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 a there's absolutely an attention to detail with Catwoman in ways that also don't feel gross outside of maybe the first scene where like Bruce Wayne maybe holds a little too long when he's like looking at a, you know, his, his little bat binoculars through her window. And I'm like, this, this movie is very <laughs> horny. Yeah. Oh, agreed. You like know. at the very at the very first scene, it's not. It, it's funny that you mentioned that. That scene actually recalls the introductory scene with the Riddler, mm-hmm. where at first Riddler's looking at the binoculars at his victim and he's breathing heavily. At first, I thought this is Batman. I'm like, oh, this is really this is really quote unquote gritty to yeah. have like to hear Batman breathing at it. It's like no, the Riddler's a fucking pervert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's he is horny, and the way in which he's breathing heavily when he when he mounts his victim and he's going to tape him up while he is wearing wearing a gimp mask, like this is a very horny film. Yeah. So when we so when we contrast that with Bruce looking at um at Selena, it it's meant to mirror that Bruce and the Riddler are two sides of the same coin to reference another batman villain yeah no i i I agree i understand like the intention there it's one of those things where it's like i was wondering if they were going to cut at some point and that she was just going to be in her catwoman outfit i was like no we're holding you know just (laughs) we're just gonna get a long prolonged scene of uh zoe kravitz changing clothes okay um and you know like once again like i think you're right like you know once again you can't have catwoman without being a little bit sexy like this is how we could never have uh, Catwoman in an MCU like property because they would just take away so much of the fun like sexiness of her character right like that's just part of it and obviously I think that there's ways of doing that without being gross about it right and for the most part I'd say this movie you know does accomplish that I think she feels flirty and seduct like 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 uh seductive in ways that comic book Catwoman can't feel at times where it's very intentional it's very thought out she is a performer she can like kind of like read people pretty well you know there's a lot Mm -hmm. of intention with her with her actions that i think give her a lot of like nuanced performances and of course like zoe kravitz is an amazing actress so like that only helps so i i absolutely believe it's 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 intentional it's done on purpose and i completely agree in terms of like catwoman we've seen on screen like you know she's definitely up there i would say like outside of like some lines that were written that like i I don't blame her for just you know that you had to read these out somehow uh she gets like a like a solid like nine out of ten for 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 being catwoman right the only fault i Mm -hmm. would say is every now and then she had a line i was like hmm okay (laughs) i i wouldn't have written it that i wouldn't have written it that way but you know people you know this this movie wants to also be about dads you know yeah yes this film is about dads uh and to some extent um Mm -hmm. but we push past that at a certain point absolutely Um, absolutely yeah yeah but you 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 brought up riddler here and i want to kind of go to him for a second what do you think of this what do you think of this riddler here Uh, i know we'll touch upon him a little bit later but just your first like gut instinct with this like very like new approach to the riddler maybe not new but like seeing him to his natural end point i would say yeah, this is the Riddler to an extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, to some extent, I really liked it. I really liked... Basically, I liked the Riddler until we got to the point of his reveal. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily... Until we, till we get to the reveal of the the plot and what his endgame is with his confrontation with Batman... Yeah. Um, I like the riddles that he had. I like the way in which he tore the Batman. I like the way in which that he um um uh he used computer URLs and it looked it had a lot of um um matrix aesthetic for a little bit there. Mm-hmm. I like that the Riddler at the end of the day is just about trying to be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. And I like that he's being a brat about that. 
Yeah. What I didn't like was in the confrontation scene with Batman, where the the way in which he acts and maybe is directed in terms of acting like a brat, it it, it was a bit too much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Paul Dano went a little too far. Yeah. Uh, in ter- in terms of that specific scene when he's like screaming, yeah, and just wailing back and forth, it's 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 uncomfortable and not in the way in which it should be, like the earlier scenes. Yeah, I mean that's this is like the conversation with the Riddler, right? The Riddler is, you know, Edward, uh, Mister Nigma is supposed to be a like smug asshole, right? I I have it in the the show notes that like they just turned him into an incel in this movie. That's basically what you know the Riddler is in terms of just being like this kind of a uh, uh, very much <laughs> kind of like navigating all these spaces and kind of rallying all these like uh, forum focused like. You could call it like an incel. He reminds me a lot of the idea of Q and that it plays with the ideology of we are the underclass. We are being broken by a we're being broken by a um, systematic elite that mm-hmm. specifically want to see us undermined. Yeah. And then it takes itself to a natural conclusion of fascism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And- when when they rally together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that. It it helps it in the way in which, like, when he kind of gets to that scene, like, seeing him as a little bit of, like, he, he has built himself up as something he is completely not. I think that that's part of it, right? In the same way that, like, you know, in the in the uh, Batman Arkham games, right? Like, this is the one few games I think have narratively done, like, collectible quests in video games, uh, interestingly, because... What he can do that way is just taunt you the entire time. And then slowly, the more you the more you figure them out, you know, he'll start getting mad. He'll start, like, stomping his feet. He'll start getting extremely angry. He's like, no, you can't be figuring out all of this. And it turns into, like you said, like that bratty, like, you know, kind of like a stubborn child, <laughs> like, mannerisms. Mm-hmm. But that's very different than the, the, the Edward we see here, right? We don't see that. Uh, we don't see that Edward. We see this, like you said, wailing kind of hysterical like performance and mm-hmm. it's interesting i agree i don't know if i 100 percent liked it but i don't know if that's just because I, I you know i want i want to stray further away from from joker vibes you know right there was a lot of you know you and i are the same without mm-hmm. actually the, the only one who actually says that line is selena um yeah. which is funny and and that it kind of works because of the way in which her narrative wraps yeah. Um, but a lot of that is implicitly said with the relationship between Edward and um, Edward Nashton, the Riddler and, and Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think this leaned a little bit into Joker territory, but I think the reason why is because at the end of the day, every uh, ba- every Batman villain is a psychological reflection of Batman. Yeah. Um, it, it's the obsessive part. That yeah. is where it kind of goes into the stereotypical like Joker narrative where yeah. where Edward where where um the Riddler is like this is supposed to be you and me together. Yeah. That that's where it's like, okay, I, I see where that's becoming some some Joker stuff, which is funny because I think I think this version of the Riddler is a better version of the Joker and the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, so this is this is what you were trying to go for. Yeah. But it it you know um it's one it's one well no it's one of those things again right like where they 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 deliberately did not do joker right but they mm-hmm. wanted to show off a very similar they wanted to to show off how bruce wayne is reflective in the people he keeps around him right mm-hmm. and that is you know that is his relationship with catwoman that is the relationship with the riddler in this movie uh, i think i agree with you it works slightly better for his relationship with catwoman just because i think it's more intimate but mm-hmm. uh once again, maybe we'll hop into that a little bit later. But uh, there's there's some there's some intimacy between Riddler and 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 Batman a bit. That's I true. There's something I think there's something going you know, on there. Okay, you know who I do think there's intimacy between, and I want I'm curious. I'm gonna get your get your your, your opinion of this. Uh, I think there's some intimacy between uh, Jim Gordon and the Batman in this movie. It, oh, one hundred percent. Okay, thank goodness. One hundred percent because okay. the very last line when Selena's just like. Sorry, you're already spoken for. You mm-hmm. can interpret that in a few ways. <laughs> One, you can interpret that as his quest for vengeance slash justice slash hope. We'll get to the mm-hmm. hope part in a second. Yeah. Um, we could talk about that. You could interpret that as the city of Gotham. 
Mm -hmm. Or you can interpret that as the other person on the end of that line who is creating the uh, who's creating the bat signal, which is Jim Gordon. Yes. (laughs) This is the once again, where this is where this movie wants to say, yes, all Batman are all Batman are valid. So the Mm -hmm. queer Batman from the Joel Schumacher movies is valid. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Like. The when that scene when they're in the when they're in the Gotham PD and Jim Gordon leans over to him like we gotta get you out of here and he's like leaning all <laughs> close to him and looks like he's about to like kiss him and I was like this is extremely like intimate in a very in in a real way and maybe it's just because I just saw Jeffrey Wright was also in 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 um No Time to Die right yes. Yes, and so he was playing off Daniel Craig there, and he had a very similar scene where he's like leaning into his ear, kind of like whispering to him. And I was they had like, more sexual chemistry, right? Yes, yeah. And I, I was like, yes. And I was like, this is a little gay. <laughs> this is a little gay. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of here for it, though. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I kind of like this. You know, I like this. I like this tension that they're building here. You know, especially because it's like you know, you're the only. They they explicitly say numerous times, you're the only person I trust. <laughs> Well, I mean, hmm. it's part it's part of the genre that they're playing in here within noir and detective fiction when especially when it's like, quote unquote, buddy cop like there is there is uh, an intimacy between those two characters. Yes, yes. Think bad boys. Think kiss, kiss, bang, bang. My gosh. Uh, Lethal weapon. Those like those relationships still play as uh, you, you could read those as queer relationships. Absolutely, right? Like this has to do a lot with this has to do a lot with that exact type of dynamic we see so often, right? Where it is, you know, obviously we know that like textually the queerness is not present or that's sorry, the queerness isn't intentional, but obviously in this story, you know, in our in our world where we don't get enough of queer representation, we are going to inherently read two uh characters who are extremely intimate with one another as a little bit queer, because why not? right fuck you in your head you know fuck you whatever the the writer says you know death of the author let's just read it however we want right Mm -hmm. and so i yeah i absolutely agree and i think that's why like the buddy cop which is also a story about being like generally two guys or two people against the world right Mm -hmm. uh but you mentioned this and i kind of want to get to this too of to kind of round up this whole like notion about vengeance you have this note here that this this story is, is is about hope right I think you're absolutely right. And that has to do with like the whole critique of vengeance in this story. I want you to kind of expand on this a little bit about uh, why you think this story is, is is about hope at the end of it. Other than, of course, them saying it. This episode is a little bit in conversation with our previous episode, Katara, from Avatar The Last Airbender. Go check Naturally. that out if you haven't. Um, Katara is a character who very much cares about hope, wants advocates for that, and then advocates for hope through her, um, through the ways in which she avo- she interacts with the world. Um, tries to inflict a sense of moral justice upon the world as well. Um, she she moves around that space um, very purposefully with the sense of hope. And with Batman here, Batman has to learn to figure out how to inspire hope into others. Katara wants to inspire hope in other characters, yeah. but that's really what Aang is for. Um, and that narrative here, which is really interesting, is that the film says, well, Batman can inflict vengeance and inflict fear upon people who might need fear. But and people who need but if he's only inflicting fear, then he's just going to become another form of of bully for this entire city. Yes. Uh, another form of oppression and aggression. Um, maybe even turning into a fascist himself when he encounters one of Riddler's goons who says, I am vengeance. Mm -hmm. Um, So he has to instead actually provide a form of hope and optimism and genuinely help people of the city of Gotham. Yeah. Um, As Batman, and we'll get to after our break, as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, like there's there's such a way of pushing past all the negative in this storyline, right? This movie, I think, ends and kind of still earns that notion of ending with hope because by having that be the, the be one of the final like lines from the villain, like not through the Riddler himself, but through one of his goons, be like, you know, I am vengeance. It shows just how Gotham is still worth saving because pushing through all of that kind of like negative vengeance that fuels this early Batman fuels this early Bruce knows that at the end of this, he will discover something that is truly 
worth striving for and kind of like pushing through that darkness to find it. And I think that that's how it kind of earns that ending note, even if it, you know, is it a little, is it a little bit, uh, you know, uh, cliche maybe, but I think it earns it because it has to acknowledge all of this kind of like pain and suffering and sadness before it to get to that point. And I think that that's why it can have like such a, such a, you know, kind of a, a neat resolution like that, uh, because, as uh you know as Selena and Bruce argue at the end of the movie, you know, oh no, this place is very much still worth uh fighting for, even if it you know even if it kills me, right, because that is also mm-hmm. something that like Batman the comics believes Batman believes in the shows that like oh, I'll just die doing this someday, you know like it it's one of my favorite Justice League moments where he interacts with his older self in the Batman Beyond and Justice League crossover and the older Bruce says, like, are you surprised to see me? And he's like, I'm more so surprised that I live this long <laughs> because <laughs> I was expecting, I was putting myself to be long dead by now. But like, once again, persevering through that. It's really good. Mm-hmm. The the dark noir tone needed a release. Yeah. Um, and, and, we got, and we got it. And the fact that we had a motif of Batman specifically helping children along the way. He's yes. finding hope within himself, exactly. within his own personal experiences. Um. Mm-hmm. Perfectly sets up the opportunity for Robin and teaching him a lesson about maybe he shouldn't die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That's my take. But the end of this film, when he's holding on to what I believe is a kid who's yes. being airlifted, um, yeah. and the kid doesn't want to let go because he finds a sense of hope and, and safety in him, mm-hmm. it's really touching. And yeah. honestly, um, k- kind of converts me to liking Batman as a character yes. because for a long time, People would advocate and people would argue and say, like, Batman does give me hope. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, Superman gives hope. Nightwing gives hope. The whole point of Nightwing is that Nightwing is hope in spite of Batman. Yeah. Um, I don't understand where I could find that. And it's through narratives like this film where mm-hmm. I can understand Batman as a hopeful figure. And so to me, this narrative is really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, and we'll get going to that in a second. I want to keep going with this, but we have one thing. We have a very special version of something coming up. Do you know what we have today, Joe? Riddle me this. Riddle hey. me that. Do you have times for trivia? <laughs> Not trivia today, but riddles. So everyone, if you're not if you're not already familiar with what we do here, every kind of midpoint of our episodes is Joe and I. Normally, we challenge each other with trivia about whatever property we're, we're reviewing or talking about that episode. But we're switching it up a little bit, you know. And you know, we're we're, we're kind of trying to own the theme, kind of changing our format a little bit for the episode. So we decided almost simultaneously, actually, judging from the response I, I texted you and you had the same idea of maybe instead of doing trivia today. Joe and I hit each other with a little bit of riddles, <laughs> you know, inspired by, uh, I'm not going to say our boy, but uh, the, the Riddler, to uh, challenge it to a little bit of riddles, and that whatever points we get from this will go into our trivia points that we get every single episode. Whoever has more points at the end of this, or sorry, whoever has less points at the end of the season will have to do some type of punishment. But, Joe, riddle me this. What are words that people love to hear, yet can't simply be spoken? Thoughts? Ideas? No. I'll give you, like, these are these are riddles, so I'll give you like maybe we go like we'll give each other like more than one guess. Okay. Songs. It is songs, yes. Okay. Songs, lyrics, I was gonna accept anything along that lines because yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Uh so riddle me this. What bit of darkness floats around you all day but is always connected to your feet? Is this a joke on Aglets? <laughs> Don't bring that shit back up. <laughs> um, bad thoughts? <laughs> no. Black socks? <laughs> no. It's your shadow. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck me. 
And here is um, here is my low-hanging fruit for you. Riddle me this. What little birdie stopped a Cape Crusader from destroying a man already split in two? Robin. Can you name which one? Stopped a Cape, Cape Crusader from destroying a man already split in two? Yes. Uh, Tim Drake. It is Tim Drake. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tim Drake's debut comic, as we know, is him convincing uh, Batman that he needs a Robin to, to, to not fall into darkness. And the first villain he fights is Two-Face. So, you know. Yep. Yeah. How about mm-hmm. that? Shout out to you, Tim Drake. Yep. Uh, well, congratulations, man! You got two out. Of, you got two out of three riddles. Thanks. I am just like the movie. <laughs> just like the movie, I got two out of three riddles. Oh my god! Can we talk about for a second? This is completely. Maybe I'll cut this, but <laughs> can we talk about the the, the the sheer delivery Robert Pattinson gives of justice? <laughs> what yeah, is the justice. First? Justice. <laughs> justice. <laughs> <laughs> I love the delivery of the mm-hmm. penguin when he's like, what, you do not know, not know fucking Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> he didn't say fucking, but like, do you not know Spanish? Come on. You gotta know this. <laughs> the only one that knows Spanish? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's a la, not a del. <sighs> yeah, oh my God. I love that. Um. All right. So my turn for riddles. Riddle me this, Batman. How do you fit five elephants into a compact car? Is this going to be a dark one? Is this going to be like... No, this is not one of the fucked up ones, Michael. Oh, it's like, not one of like... the fucked up ones you heard on the middle school pay- playground. This is... this is. These are PG jokes, Michael. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, Is it with a seatbelt? <laughs> um, uh, seatbelts are not involved in this riddle. Okay, okay. I don't know. I'm coming up blank. Two in the front, two in the back, one in the trunk. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> Riddle me this, Batman. Yes. Where does a 500-pound gorilla sleep? Near a 500-pound banana? Um. Hey-o. Hey-o. That's not a PG riddle, Michael. What? It's just a banana. Stop. This movie's funny. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> wow, I'm doing I'm 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 so sorry. I'm failing this. Um, I don't know. I'm like not I'm coming up with nothing. Where does a 500 pounds gorilla sleep? Wherever it wants. Oh. I'll give god you a point it. for that. No, no, that doesn't work. No. Don't give me that pity point. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Riddle me this, Batman. Mm-hmm. Six legs went in, and only two came out. Where am I? Six legs went in, only two came out. A school. No. Uh, I'll give you another guess, and I'll tell you this answer is Batman-related. Oh, okay. Six legs went in, only two came out. Oh, a crime alley! There you go, buddy. Oh, that's so <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> but it's PG. It is PG. It still works. It's like that scene in Teen Titans Go when Robin pushes Bruce Man, or in the movie where he pushes uh, his parents into the alleyway. <laughs> and he's just staring there happy, like, gleefully watching them get murdered. Mm-hmm. They fix Raven the timeline. puts the pearls on her. Raven puts the pearls on Martha's neck. Oh... Never mind, Teen Titans Go is good, actually. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, that was fun. I like riddles. I like, no, no, riddles are fun. By the way, great riddler. Great riddler, by the way. <laughs> Why, thank you. I know how to be smug. Yeah. Well, you know, we've been dancing around him this whole episode, Joe, so let's talk about Bruce for a second. Let's talk about Bruce... You know, I think it's worth saying that this movie really does want to be about him. I think there's a little bit of this movie is is is, is kind of a little all over the place. That's why I think it has the runtime it does. But I think for its credit, all that is done to paint a clear picture of who Bruce is at this time. And I think it, it's showing a young Bruce Wayne. It's showing a Bruce Wayne who is still coming to terms with both his... Well, I guess the whole thing about Batman is he never comes to terms with his grief. But, you know, who who's still very raw from his grief. And still very raw at being Batman. So I'm curious just to kind of get your gut reaction here. 
what is your what is your take on this? What's your what are your gut feelings about this Bruce uh, about this Bruce Wayne? This Bruce Wayne listens to emo music. This <laughs> this Bruce Wayne went to see MCR. This Bruce Wayne grew up listening to the Black Parade. He was of age. Okay, he, he did. <laughs> he did. He definitely did. Yep. Um, th- this Bruce Wayne is a Bruce Wayne who actually grows for once. Yes. I don't think Bruce Wayne grows in most Batman movies. No. You could say he grows in the Nolan trilogy, but you have to look at the trilogy as a whole. Bruce Wayne has a fucking actual arc mm-hmm. um, where he learns he has to get he has to get over. He has to get over this idea that he is avenging specifically himself. Yes. And he is specifically trying to invoke fear through the entire city with that vengeance and be mm-hmm. a bit more self-aware. Bruce Wayne doesn't like Bruce Wayne doesn't quite know how to be Bruce Wayne at all. He's yes. still very much stuck in his head on his Gotham plan. Yeah. Um trying to connect to humanity is a little difficult for him. That's why he's so awkward around Selena. Bruce Wayne's a fucking yeah. version. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> mhm. Bruce Wayne might be queer but he doesn't know what he wants yet. No. No, definitely not. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. Like this is the I know this movie tries to do the whole thing with the Riddler where he's like, "Oh, you know, this is who you are, you know, with the mask on. This is actually who you are." And in my brain, I don't think that that's entirely true. Like I I, I don't know how wrong they want the Riddler to be in that scene cuz he is the villain after all, but also, you know, he's given the the floor space in a way. But to me, at least, this is a Bruce Wayne that doesn't know how to be Bruce and doesn't know how to be Batman. This is a Bruce Wayne that doesn't know how to make sense of either of the masks he kind of puts on. And the best way I can kind of like, you know, articulate that is that to me, the Bruce persona is like his way of feeling sadness and feelings of melancholy. And the the Batman persona is the one for kind of like vengeance and aggression, Right. There are two sides of his like uh, his angst in a very real way that I think, yeah, is is not dissimilar from the kind of like emo <laughs> vibes that he kind of has going on this whole movie. And I think both of them can't quite make sense of each other. And I think that that's why it's it's God, I love it when uh, there's that scene with him and Selena where uh, she has like the context focused on like a little piece of paper. It just says, where are you? And right. He, he he speaks to her and he, he you know his voice cracks and he doesn't put on the same air he does when he's Batman. It's because it's one of the few times during this movie that he's being like sincerely reaching out. And mm-hmm. there's a vulnerability there that I really like because once again, this is the whole like, hey, we actually are similar to each other. We're both like kind of struggling a little bit that actually earns that notion of just, hey, we both we're both kind of hot for each other and we're both like struggling in a real way, uh, struggling with grief, struggling with loss. And at this particular moment, and we're reaching out to each other just because we could recognize that in each other. And I think that there's something so sincere about that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I just like it so much more because it does give Batman that humanity that sometimes he, he, he can lack just because they're so focused on making him the, the, the perfect individual. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and in the same way, once again, queer, queer, queer Batman. He only meets his crushes on the same rooftop, right? That's true. He's got one spot. You know, sometimes when when you're first starting to date, you only have one good, like, first date spot. Yeah. And you just take everyone to. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. It's your, your your movie theater, your restaurant, your park bench, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, after after an ice cream cone, like yeah, yeah. The, Bruce Wayne really loves this abandoned uh, this abandoned building um, in the middle of Gotham. Yeah, yeah. This this little bit reminds me of for us when we were in high school and like kind of early college. For some reason, we all got Froya with whoever we were going on a date with. Like that was yep. all of our collective go to first dates. Froya, why the fuck not? I, I don't know why either. Look, listen, Unmenchie's just opened in our mall unless we had only one spot to go to. Hmm. But yeah, I guess I want to I want to kind of get your take on on this Bruce with this type of like vulnerability and this type of like youthful inexperience he has in this movie, right? Right. It's angst. It's teen angst is what he's dealing with. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And and to your point about his cracking in his voice with uh, with Selena in that moment, 
yeah, Robert Pattinson's a great actor. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen The Lighthouse, Michael and I really like that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a movie about toxic masculinity and the inevitable conclusions of it. Yeah. Um, but it, it's also a noir film, and it's uh, shot in a really interesting aspect ratio, and Robert Pattinson's very good in it. Yes. But um, Robert Pattinson is very good as Batman. Yes, um, definitely. As a Batman who, through the use of his eyes, um, yeah. is just struggling and also bitter and angry and vengeful um trying to like trying to see him he it starts with him by taking drugs Mm -hmm. he batman's on pcp for like a hot sec Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) he's (laughs) these aren't just normal party drugs he's he is he is uppity up on adrenaline and he's about to murder this this riddler goon when he when he gets told i'm vengeance by the goon and then mm. he realizes exactly what he has to do. Yeah. Jumping, you know, jumping to basically save everybody and yes. guide them out. Also jumping to lights that are flashing red, white, and blue. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. So so Bruce, uh, Robert Pattinson does a great job showing how this character is vulnerable through mm-hmm. a facade of strength uh, and anger and vengeance and stoicism. And I see a lot of people online joking about how he only has one face when that's not the case. There's there's a lot of minutia in the way in which he changes his face and the way in which the camera likes to linger on his face in his space. Part of why this movie is so long is because Matt Reeves does not want to cut. Yes. He wants to keep the scene going because you could gain more emotion out of that. And Robert Pattinson knows how to play to that. And so, yeah, this is the most emotional complex this is the most emotionally complex batman we've had yeah and i really enjoy watching that yeah yeah it's like it's so much of getting catching batman on like his back foot i think you're absolutely right that there is such a there's such a uh uh a distance between him and everybody else when he is clearly thinking right like thinking i know is like a very difficult emotion to show right but he is so clearly uh thoughtful in his performance of of bruce's uh, kind of like inner inner thoughts inner inner strife inner turmoil all of that that i think he he absolutely kind of like has the chops for it right that mm-hmm. it lingers for a purpose and i think in that same way I'm reminded of something we 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 did one of our earliest Batman episodes about Batman Mask of the Phantasm that is like Batman is also caught very often in that movie on his back foot. You know like that is mm-hmm. kind of the conclusion of that movie of him being completely caught off guard, right? And that is a noir and a soap opera in a very specific sense it knows its genre work in that in that in that, in that same way. And I think this movie does, too, in the way in which it kind of stresses more of Batman's detective side. I don't think it does it perfectly. I was I feel like I was always one step ahead of the movie without trying to be, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. like it, it was one of those things I was like, OK, like, I feel like we're talking about this thing. Is this what it is? Is this, is this just all it is? And then like we would get there and be like, all the characters are like, what? And I'm like, guys, come on. <laughs> come on now uh but and you know that, that that's not like a flex or anything i feel like that's just because the movie is well is like good enough at like uh you know uh dropping hints and and playing with subtext enough to make it there you know like this, mm-hmm. is, this isn't a flex on my end to be like oh i'm picking it all up it's like no it's just the movie doing what it does well and and that's why i think i like it more of focusing on bruce's vulnerability bruce's insecurity in so many ways to make his relationships with alfred with selena Hell, even with the Riddler a little bit towards the end, land much more, right? It's 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 a story focused more on those uh those plot beats rather than just like can he punch out all the people in this room? <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. You mentioned Alfred, and I forgot one of my favorite lines in this movie. You're not my real dad. <laughs> yes. He actually says that mm-hmm. he's an emo teen. Yes, absolutely. There's a little baby Bruce Wayne. Hmm. This is baby Bruce Wade, who who still is pissed off at Alfred for existing. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure. And, and once again, this is why I'm excited about this, this, this trilogy and the other series that are going to come along with this is that we're going to see Bruce Wayne grow into the Batman that you might recognize from the Dark Knight. 
um, where he does have a healthy relationship with Alfred, where he does have a grip on being the playboy and being and being effective and efficient as Batman. Yeah, um, I'm interested to see how they challenge him. But it was fun to see him challenged in this film. Like he can't time a parachute right, so then he's gonna fuck up the landing. Oh god, so you know? good. Yeah, I remember. I audibly went, "Ooh, fuck! Ow, yeah, shit! Like, oh that my hurt. god! Ow! <laughs> your head! Your head!" And he, and he limps away. He doesn't like get up and like run. He is limping back to the Batmobile. Which, yeah. by the way, we haven't talked about that Batmobile chase. Fucking cool. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, like, once again, he's kind of, like, very much kind of piecing it together in that scene. And that was actually the scene that made me think of Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Because, you know, once again, Batman movie gets fucked up. You know, he gets he gets shot mm-hmm. at. He gets, you know, beat up. His suit's all torn. He's bloody and shit. Like, once again, that is so much cooler. It, once again, like, if we're going to lean into the detective fiction angle, you know, who gets the shit kicked out of them? Detectives. You know? <laughs> like, by getting too sure. close to the truth, they kind of have to... They can't always be just the brawler, right? Mm-hmm. If that's like what the fiction demands it d- demands he be, and yeah, that that man that fucking car chase scene also like peak the penguin being the overtop hammiest uh, villain. <laughs> I got you! I got uh-huh. you! I got you! And also like the blue flames, you know, like maybe maybe I'm secretly you know five years old, but those blue flames look sick as shit. This the the sound design when mm-hmm. when you know that is not just an engine that is a fucking jet engine when the yeah. jet engine turns on and you can hear the high pitched screeching I'm just like oh shit this it's about to go down mm-hmm. it was so cool the car chase was so great the way it cut back and forth the the use of rain and color within the chase yeah. uh, the you know the the three sixty upside down angle of Batman walking towards the penguin so cool. So yeah. cool. Yeah, it's it's just like like as someone who's like really averse to car chases in 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 movies. Man, this this was so cool, right? Like for once, it made. It's not that the Batmobile has never not been cool, but it really made it seem like it was uh powerful without being unstoppable. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. in the Dark Knight trilogy where he's just driving around a fucking tank. You know. This mm-hmm. just felt like it was a cool car that could, that had a lot of little mini gadgets. Like fucking, uh, you know, <laughs> Batman had the Mach 5 from Speed Racer is what happened. Mm-hmm. Where it's, you know, it's nothing super fancy, but it is really cool to imagine driving. And I think that that's, that's like, once again, superhero fiction, I think, working at its best. Where it's like, whoa, man, like the spectacle of watching it and the ability to, to, to be in the action is, is, is... The type of like blood pumping, very visceral, kinetic joy you get out of watching these movies, and that's why mm-hmm. I think that's why I felt in that in that car chase scene. Mm-hmm. It's sick. It's sick, man. Mm-hmm. Even if, uh, and, and of course, it, it does end in that very slow, deliberate walk of him just kind of going, staring at Penguin. It's just this movie is just very deliberate with 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 how what it does so often, and none of it feels like it's ever just style without substance there's substance in all of it even if this movie is still too like you know fucking we could we could we could i don't know what scenes need to be cut but like we could reel it in every now and then (laughs) there was a scene that was cut oh what was it uh this is a spoiler cast or we are i guess uh spoilers ahead there was a scene with the joker that was cut oh even beyond the, the the end the end one Yes, there was a scene where Batman was going to try and profile the Riddler, go to Arkham, and then like go to like a numbered cell, and it was going to be that same actor get, delivering some lines. Oh, okay. I you know I feel I feel better about that then. I don't want that in the movie. I, I'll, I'll yeah. allow them. I'll allow them their sequel hook, but I don't want I don't want that in the movie. <laughs> Supposedly, it's not a sequel hook. Oh. Oh, I see. It's just kind of the acknowledgement of... I guess that's how this movie kind of treats the rogues gallery of Batman. of just acknowledging that, no, there are other heads that exist here. And they just... They just they just don't... Um, they're just not present. Yeah, it's, it's the lingering... It, it gives a bit more credence to why Batman chooses to stay instead of going with Catwoman. Yeah, it's like yes, there will be more. There will be a power vacuum. There will be more crime at the end. Yeah, um, the, the the system is not completely destroyed and rebuilt in the way in which it should be. No, um, so Batman has to stay in that way. Yeah, um, 
it's actually setting up um what was supposed to be the um uh the gcpd show which is now turned into a gcpd at arkham show <laughs> oh okay all right yeah interesting how weird yeah i hope this means we get hugo strange at some point but anyway yeah. um yeah uh that that scene in particular with the riddler and the joker it's like it's fine it's like this is very cliche joker lines um i don't you know it, it's meant to be a stinger at the end it's meant to be a cliffhanger that's fine i'm not i'm not gonna think too much about it 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 did at very least make sense for the joker to be the one to say riddle me this right like yes it did it, mm-hmm. I, I feel like at very least i feel like that worked in terms mm-hmm. of like okay so like this really doesn't make sense to to say that right mm-hmm. it's right. just it's it's just what it is and i think it it's fine it, it's like a, I, you know i don't even think it left a bad taste in my mouth it was just like a, oh okay if we're gonna ha- if we're gonna have to have him here fine mm-hmm. we'll have him here at the end but you know this this is interesting and i want i want to kind of touch on this a little bit what villain batman villain do you think as a reflection of bruce hasn't gotten enough screen time in like a Batman movie. Cause I have, I have one I always think of, but I'm curious if there's one that comes to your mind. Um, the question you're asking is about which character is a good reflection of Bruce that should get more screen time. Yes. Um, I think the care, I think the villains that make the most sense in this universe is the court of the owls. I think the yeah, court of owls yes. should be in this 100%. Um, what villain is a good contrast I mean, there's Scarecrow. That's why he's in like Arkham Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Batman Begins, and he was honestly sidelined for Rachel Ghoul. Rachel Ghoul is another good one, mm-hmm. but he got like Rachel Ghoul was like honestly. I think he 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 got done a little bit dirty by the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, not to, once again. This is not to shit on the Dark Knight trilogy. I think the Dark Knight is a phenomenal movie. I'm a big fan of Batman Begins. <laughs> I don't care for the Dark Knight Rises. I think those movies are awesome. I think they serve their own purpose. Um, but for the way in which I like to see Ra's al Ghul be like a really great match and foil for Batman, um, I didn't think the movie did that. And so that's my answer. I think Ra's al Ghul. You know, we maybe get someone that's not Liam Neeson, basically. It's it's not Liam Neeson. It's just I, I, I don't think the narrative really dug deep into the foil aspects of that. It's just like... I want to kill everyone. Well, I don't want to kill people. And that's the that's the, the line of the Damn. between them. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> Deep. Uh- <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I feel like Rachel Ra- Ra- Ghoul is such as interesting. Also, because that also sets up Damian Wayne in an interesting way, too. With mm-hmm. his like, relationship with Talia. And, like, yeah, there's, there's stuff we could kind of dig into there. Also, that could just kind of lead to more, like, Maybe maybe what I'm really saying is I like Batman when it is uh, flirting with soap opera like dynamics of like oh no I have a hidden son you know <laughs> <laughs> oh no and he's a shit yeah oh, uh, he's a little shit but you know it's kind of a lovable little shit you know he turns lovable absolutely um, yeah yeah and it's just like oh, my father in law I swear. Anyways. I can't live with him. I can't live without him, though. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, what are you going to do with the in-laws? Uh, personally, the, the one that comes to my mind is Mr. Freeze, because okay. I think that the, the, the way in which they kind of pitched a line, don't, like, don't kill Falcone because then you'll be just like him, is mm. a specific appeal to the nature of, like, their, their, their kind of intimate relationship as like bruce as someone who cares about catwoman and is like hey i care about you i know this won't bring you any type of catharsis right and the emphasis more on like the individual like love he feels for catwoman in that moment to me feels like a better reasoning and a better like ultimate like punctuation on that idea rather than just you can't kill because it's not going to work for you it is I don't want you to feel the pain of this because I'm someone who kind of cares about you, right? Even if I also think this guy fucking sucks because it, mm-hmm. it's just a, a better stress of that intimacy between the two of them. Uh, you know, the two of them as who've been like growing closer as this movie kind of undergoes. And I think that that's the thing about Mr. Freeze is, you know, you just call him Mr. Simp, you know, because he's just trying to bring <laughs> back his wife, right? That's all he's trying to do. Of course, you know, he's still a villain, but... I think you could play with that as the nature of them both chasing this type of lost love. 
Uh, and I think that, that that could be make for a really interesting dynamic for this version of Bruce Wayne too, as this you know mm-hmm. young man who is who's clearly struggling with his uh, with his uh, intimate ties, so to say. Right. And so, is there like the the the, the difference between that Mister Freeze will kill to get his wife and her life? I mean, I don't know if I want I don't know if I want something as simple as that, but like it just I you know because one thing we're not trying to do rewrites here, but it is just like. I think that that is something that is interesting to me about Mr. Freeze and also like how he ties in with Batman. Cause like, that is what Batman, like you said at the top of this, that is what Batman stories kind of are about, about how he is reflected in his villains. Right. And so like, just the, of course, like, I think you're right. Like the, like, what is the, what is the lengths we will go to be reconnected to someone we love? Right. If it's mm-hmm. just like, I kill you don't, then it's like, maybe that's a little simple and maybe that's what it ends up our being, but you know, like, then maybe, like we say in this movie, we're more interested with a conversation with that about him interacting with, uh, uh, within him interacting with Mr. Freeze in those moments. You know, mm-hmm. maybe I'm just trying to get more simps in my movies, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Yeah. Mr. Freeze is a pretty empathetic character. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a character that even teams up with Batman every now and then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Aside from, like, um, Two Face, who I think is the most common one. Yeah. I don't know. I I would have to do a more deeper dive into like longer running Batman issues, but yeah. yeah. I wouldn't say Harley Quinn because Harley Quinn's basically a hero now. Yeah, Harley Quinn's basically yeah. <laughs> but anywho, uh did you know that Matt Reeves is is also pitching or aiming for Mr. Freeze? Oh, really? Yeah. No, I didn't so know you, that. You and him are you and him are on the same vein. Hey. hey. He, he says he's most interested to explore Mr. Freeze in a sequel. No, nope. um, but hey, that's hey, not hey. necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. We've been told oh, Craven the I Hunter know. was going to be in a Spider-Man movie, but you know, here we are. And yet here, yeah, no, totally. Mm-hmm. That 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 is that is that is reassuring to hear. But uh, yeah, of course, you know, studio execs. Who would have thought directors mm-hmm. actually don't have full control over their movies? <laughs> no, but it seems like Matt Reeves got quite a bit with this one. No, definitely. Um, but yeah. you know, we are getting the time here, even though, like, man, we it. Feels like I we're still talking. Yeah, we keep going about this, and it's also just about Batman as a whole. But Joe, what are your wrap-up thoughts on the Batman directed by Matt Reeves? What are your thoughts on uh, Pattinson Batman as a whole right now? I think Pattinson Batman is my favorite version of Batman we've seen live action on screen. This movie mm-hmm. is visually stunning. The way in which it dives deep into noir fiction and it goes so heavy into falling into those tropes where it plays with with realism and fantasy. It's absolutely wonderful. I really love that balance. I didn't have many. I didn't have an issue with the tone um, because it felt like I was watching like a comic book or bat or animated version of Batman on screen. Yeah. Um, The difference being this character is a much more complex than some of the other other iterations have been. Yeah, Um, I agree with you. The film isn't entirely um, it's not entirely perfect. Um, the, The Riddler is a little bit of a sticking point for me, but still not the worst batman villain i've seen on screen no, um, definitely not uh, i really enjoyed this i highly recommend the film i think robert pattinson's batman definitely gets a champion belt because he is someone who looks at his feelings for once yeah and <laughs> i'm going to give this film oh my gosh um i'm gonna give it a uh, nine out of ten uh twins with broken noses <laughs> very good very good yeah i i mean i could once again like always we're we're normally pretty we're normally pretty uh in sync on this and i think we are here too that i absolutely agree i you know normally normally if you ask me if batman in general gets the champion belt i'd say no but i think weirdly by being on the nose and making him like this kind of uh emo uh (laughs) this emo edgy teen version of batman i'm like you know what now that you actually kind of acknowledge that and play with that, yeah, motherfuckers get the champion belt. Like, this is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like Bruce. What the yeah, fuck? <laughs> I enjoy this so much more because you know this about him, and you know who else gets the champion belt? Because I'm just throwing him out there. Uh, fucking Selena Kyle, <laughs> played by Zoe Kravitz. You know, Je- you know what? Je- Jeffrey Wright's uh, uh, <laughs> gets the champion belt too. He's a great belt. boyfriend. Exactly, loyal boyfriend. Great, great, great. Yeah, and it just. Yeah, like, I, I, I think the, the problem with this movie is it's just its runtime and just, I don't know, like, how, because once again, we don't do rewrites here, but I do think that at times it just runs a bit long. 
you know, it does feel at times like I'm watching three acts that feel more like three different like like TV like TV episodes that are disconnected. And while I like it because the plot is always moving, it is a lot all at once. I think, but overall, even if the movie as a whole isn't perfect, I still ended up really liking this version of Bruce. So I think I would agree with you and say that I'm going to give this eight eight detachable batarangs from your chest uh, out mm-hmm. of ten. Very nice. Yeah, I can't wait till he throws it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He never did that. He never threw a batarang. He didn't throw a batarang, but he did. He did have a grappling gun that he yeah. used. Yeah, he didn't have. A, he has not a budget for batarangs yet. That's really what it is. All right. Well, thank you for those keeping score at home. By the way, I believe Joe, you are now pulled ahead again. You are now chilling at ten point five, and I am at nine point five for you being the master of riddlers. You would have you would have stopped that bomb. You would have stopped that bomb. You got the riddlers on. You got the riddles on your side. Yes, it was me, Batman. I solved the riddle before you did. <laughs> it was the same energy as that one GIF of the Riddler, who he's like, it's like the Jim Carrey one where he's like, like chin down, just kind of like strutting forward. Yep. God, what a fucking movie. We'll do it some other time. Well, so yeah, yeah. Until next time, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. All right, thank you for listening to another episode of Champion Casters. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at champion underscore cast. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at championcasters at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to give thanks to the following. Shan Theobald for our logo artwork. Adam Renroe for our intro and outro music. Joseph Tomlin for managing our social media. And Michael Ruiz for editing our episodes. <laughs> and I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry. And the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me at twitter.com and Instagram at joke Tomlin. That is J-O-U-K-T-O-M-L-I-N. Thanks again for listening, everyone.